Welcome to Imperfect Allies. My name is Chris. And I'm Richie. And we're here to talk to each other about what it's like to be white and what it's like to be black in America. Our goal is to have a candid conversation about race and how it impacts and intersects our daily life, as well as our country. The episodes offered here are based around real, candid conversations that Chris and I have that are available if you support the show. From those conversations, we take a deep dive into topics that we discover to better empathize and understand ourselves and our American culture. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Allies Imperfect. Well, let's start the show. All right, welcome all to the show. This is Imperfect Allies. I'm Chris. And I'm Richie. And today we have an awesome show for y'all today because we are talking about some mind-altering <laughs> information. <laughs> oh, man, getting us out of our boxes and out of the dichotomies that we have been taught and all the indoctrination that we have. Um, Richie, you brought up a, a Hulu show. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a documentary called Hillbillies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went into this with preconceived notions because of the name, mm-hmm. but I also know what our show's about. So I was, I was, you know, intrigued and mm-hmm. I came out feeling like a hillbilly. It's like, yo, I've been a hillbilly my whole life. Like yeah. I identify with the hillbilly and I don't know how I got here so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think first of all, uh, folks, we're talking about poor white folks right tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a bit. A bit of a da- for me, it feels a bit dangerous just because of where we are and and uh, the things I believe. I don't want to be misunderstood or misconstrued. At the same time, I think we need to talk about this stuff. And so, yeah. So, Chris, so I I came across this documentary is two years old. I came across it. Um, I honestly don't know how I came across it. I was watching some YouTube videos or something, and I turned a Hulu on, and it was there. Uh, the algorithm brought it to me, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I watched this documentary. It's about uh, the people that live in Appalachia. It gives a short history. It goes, it's, it takes place during the first um, and only, uh, hopefully, Trump candidacy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> John, my prejudice. Uh, but yeah, 2016. And uh, it, was, it was really, really mind-blowing. Like, um, I mean, where do, you, where do you want to start, Chris, with this? What was the first thing that kind of popped out? Because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. Well, the first image of the show was the Confederate flag. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then it went into more of the image of Appalachia. And, you know, I think there, the the creator is from Kentucky. And mm-hmm. and so you, it gets personal, which is the most important piece. But it, it hits you with all of these stereotypes that, mm-hmm. as far as I know, are that's the reality of what those white people are. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. have anything else. I, I, I'm from Texas. That's miles and miles away from the Appalachian Mountains. It's, mm-hmm. it's flat where I'm from. So I don't know what hillbillies, I didn't even know hillbillies meant the hills of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and so all I know is the stereotype. And I'd never thought about what it was to be the people that the stereotype was about. Yeah, that had never hit me to even care or think twice, mm. and yeah, here I am yeah. complaining about the same thing on my end. Well, and that's that's really good, and I want to put a pin in that because I think that's something really, really big and really important about this is 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 um, is that statement. You know, 
I, I think was really impactful. You know, you see these images like the Confederate flag that are like harmful right away. You're like, oh man, what's going on? Yeah. And then they show you the me- media representation of uh, of hillbillies almost side by side with media representation of black people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's identical. It's identical. Yeah. The same pejoratives as far as like, you know, lazy, stupid, poor, whatever, you know, broke, all those dangerous, things. dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that was really, really, that was really, really compelling to me. Uh, and, and, and why I say this is a dangerous topic is I don't want to, you know, as we talk about these kind of things, like I don't want to detract from what's, what's happening all over the country. We're, we're seeking social justice and, and, um, uh, well, just justice for the entire country, uh, focusing right now on, 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 on black people and, and, and kind of where they're still, uh, walking into like systemic oppression and, and just things like race racism that's in the system. It's not, <laughs> it yeah. hasn't been separated or parsed out or, or there haven't been checks and balances to, to sort of deal with that. And so um, things that seem like normal and okay, because they fit a stereotype that we all sort of believe, um, you know, they're not getting dealt with. And I, and I think that what this show did for me was show me that uh, there are definitely a lot of similarities in um, sort of the oppressive systems that uh, both poor whites and, and blacks deal with, mm-hmm. you know, and um, while um, uh, I, I, I got a, I, I read a book or reading a book uh, that kind of goes into this from a historical perspective. And I'd like to read a little bit of that, but I mean, do you have any like response to that or just? Well, you know, I, I already can hear the the uh, black voice and I, I want to say monolithic voice, but uh, there's variety in that yeah. voice. But I hear the, here they go again. They're co-opting the movement. The second mm-hmm. that black people are having a voice, they want to bring in some disenfranchised white people and mm-hmm. and make them the focus. And and, and I want to speak to those people who think that because I'm I hear it. I, I'm with you. Um, mm-hmm. The the thing that stands out for me that makes me listen to this um, this idea of the underprivileged white person who has the same stereotypes cast upon them that black um, people are cast upon is the people that are using these stereotypes, they have a, a, a purpose for casting it upon the people that they're choosing. Mm -hmm. And if there's a connection between the black and white people that are being uh, disenfranchised, we might need to pay attention to those things because one, it could unite us. Two, it could help me as a black man understand that I'm not less than, and I'm not saying that out of the idea that what you say about me isn't going to hurt me. No, I'm saying it because I know you say this about everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to say Facts. this about everybody. And, and, yeah. and now that I know that, I have so much more power. It's like, oh, this is just what people do. 
to people that they want to control. Like, ah, okay, mm. you, you've been saying this to me for all these years, but you say it to those white people over there too. And you said <laughs> it about them. You said it about yeah. the Jews. Like, cool, mm-hmm. I get it now. I'm good. I'm healthy. I, I don't feel inferior in any way. And and so wow. that's that's really important, I, I feel like, for people to to understand how these these stereotypes are literally there to imprison you into that stereotype and the second you know they're doing that to everybody hopefully you can see it's it's just a sham Mm, wow man that's really that's really huge uh to me like uh the idea that uh the idea that you're sort of empowered like uh so a lot of the things that i've been listening and studying to dr joy degru talks about this about about sort of the shame of blackness or like feeling mm-hmm. ashamed, you know, if, if, you know, my life would be easier if, uh, you know, all the complexities of all those emotions and things like that you're dealing with as a, uh, as a black person in America. Um, and then to have it eye opening to see that there's also this group that supposedly the people that are in power or the people that are in charge that have, um, you know, that are treated way differently than me just because of the color of their skin. Well, there is <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely that it, there is still that, I mean, a, a uh, you know, as they're like doing studies about bias and stuff like that, that's a real thing. That's, you know, to a white cop, a white person looks less dangerous than a black person. A lot of times they've just, mm-hmm. that's, and so, um, it could be, but it could be anybody that's different than you, you know, like it doesn't have to necessarily, but anyway, so all, all I'm saying is like, I, 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 I'm surprised at how empowering that sounds. Like I'm, I'm surprised that that's the, that's the reaction because it's, it's kind of wonderful to me, but that's really, really powerful, it, man. It's just, it, and it goes back to a story I had shared um, early in the, uh, our podcast episodes. Uh, I hear this connection of when I was first bullied, and um, my biggest fear was the bully was going to call me a chicken if I ran away. Right. And my godmother was just like, yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> mm. Like, that is what they do to get you to stay. Just say you don't care and you will be free. And that's mm. exactly what happened. And verbatim, that bully had no more power over me for the rest of my life. I don't even know their name. I don't know where they yeah. are. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. And yeah. And it was that. This is the same thing as when I hear that no black people aren't cursed. No black people aren't being called these things specifically because of the being black. It's they call people these things to control those people. And those people could be any creed or color. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That just the bullies call you names, Mm -hmm. realize that they're bullies and realize that that's the only chance they have at control. And you can be free because you're not going to let them control you. And that watching Hillbillies, it was just so evident to me because these people look nothing like me. Right. And there were some black Hillbillies. I want to give a shout out to them. That was dope, man. Afro-lations. Afro-lations. I was like, yo, they got their own terms. I'm going to call okay. that. I'm going to try to get that guy on the show, man. I, I was like, that dude. Yeah. I was on. <laughs> that I was love fire. That. Yeah. And man. so knowing that they're, they're, the people that don't look like me and the people that do look like me who aren't even being called these things because it doesn't fit the bully's agenda. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, Oh, like they can't, it, the fact that black people aren't called hillbillies mm-hmm. solely so that we can control how we demonize. It's just like, 
it's, it's I get it. It's a bully tactic and it, it's yeah. not going to work on me anymore. And I hope our listeners who are black can free themselves as well. And I hope any listener who has any bully using any kind of terminology, whether it be the way they say that you're homosexual or the way they say that you're not Christian or whatever it is, you know, that is the way that people try and bully you. And it's okay. They do that to all of us. We're human. That's that's part of the experience. Yeah. It says, it says nothing about you. It says everything about them. It tells their Mm -hmm. story and not your story. Yeah. You know, when, when, when they do that and, um, you know, we, I don't want to give anything away in the movie and I know that you got about 20 minutes left in it. So I'm going to yeah. <laughs> let you sit with it. Um, but it is, it does get progressively more complex because, um, you know, uh, they, a lot of, a lot of the people that they showed uh, on the show were, were voting uh, for Trump and, and, and a lot of people on the left were like, well, you're voting against your interests, but um, the messages they were getting were different than the ones that you and I were getting. We don't give a shit about coal mining because we're from Texas, right? Yeah. That doesn't impact us at all. Okay. Uh, oil might impact us maybe, or football, like football's huge. <laughs> yeah. You know, some kind of crazy thing would happen to those things. It would matter to us because that's how, uh, you know, or our employment comes from our livelihood, the things like that. Well, for that entire, you know, strip of, of mountains, it it's coal. Coal is a huge yeah. part of it you know, love it or hate it, that's a major employer. And and for someone to come in on the left and say, we're going to get rid of coal, we're going to go clean, which, which long-term is what we need. And we need it. Mm-hmm. We actually need it pretty quick. Right. Uh, at the same time, not offering up any kind of like solutions or um, just sort of, we're going to take away your job and that's it. So yeah. you have to deal with it. And, you know, we'll have to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of. That's you know, horrible. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and, like and a, I don't think pl- that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh I was, no, I was gonna say, like I don't, I don't, I think that we, I think that we miss that with with the people that vote for different, um, different candidates, different parties, and things like that. I don't think that we're seeing the reasons, uh, the reasons they're doing that, and then we're ascribing different reasons because we see tiki torch whites. Like tiki torch whites are a whole different thing. That's that's a whole. Uh, that you know that is a uh, uh that, yeah that's not not what we're sort of talking about here so i don't know man um we just we prescribe yeah. stereotypes mm-hmm. to to make sense of something that we haven't even taken the time to learn and mm-hmm. i you know as a texan let's admit let's be honest parts of football need to change and need to be and maybe the sport should not exist mm-hmm. could you imagine a candidate saying we are moving away from contact sports and but if I'm president, football is done. Finished. Yeah, it's I'll, over. Uh, yeah. It would you be an uproar. Yeah. Every every coach <laughs> dude, how many coaches just lost their job? How many kids just lost their their what they do for the whole fun time away from home, maybe? You know, like that's dreams just, too. Like <laughs> it takes away yes. all of it. Now and Hillary did that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, coal, comparing those two coal and football, could you, could you as a coal miner work your way up the ladder and be a foreman and, you know, go manager and all that stuff, that, that dream of making a lot of money as a coal, you know, in the coal industry is real, just like the dream in football is real. And so, and like extraordinarily rare, 
right? The majority mm-hmm. of it is is just day to day, folks. You know, yeah. And um, I think it's a good. I think it's a good analogy. I, uh, I, you know, say a lot to say like that. That, uh, you know, the more that we, the more that we read read these books or watch movies or documentaries or just, you know, the more and more that Chris and I educate ourselves, the more and more that, uh, you tell me, Chris, but the more and more I'm, I'm finding that my, as my view expands, I can't, uh, like the boxes don't fit anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm the learning boxes. I was wrong. Mm. Mm. I was just yeah, wrong. Too. I was flat out wrong. <laughs> me too. Me too. And about, maybe about different things. I don't know, but like, well, some similar, some different, I don't know, but it's, um, yeah. I mean, what's that leaving you feeling like? What's that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's just scary to be so adamantly wrong. Yeah. I was, I was adamant uh, for the, the past 30 years of my life. I, you know, saw it a certain way because that was the experience and the only experience that I was basing it off of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now that we're doing this podcast and so we're taking it serious to really deep dive into other perspectives and it's just becoming more and more present that I was completely uh, like uneducated on so much. And mm-hmm. I, there's this, uh, I don't know if it's a quote or it's a saying, but it's typically that the ignorant man knows all and the wise man knows nothing because mm-hmm. he knows he knows nothing. And it's, yeah. it's like, the wise man knows there's so much to know. Like I, I don't know anything. And I just, it makes me realize how idiotic I was to think that I knew that black lives aren't, are not mattering in this country and they need to. And hillbillies the whole time been like, that's what we've been saying. It's like, yeah. Yeah. What? what are you talking about? You're white. You, you, you have no issues. Like, I don't know. It's right. just, it's just crazy. Right. Right. And I think it, and that kind of brings me to the book that I want to talk about because it's been going on for a long, long time. Uh, since the inception of the country, I think, is this division of, um, you know, blacks and poor whites. Um, and, and I, I want to read I want to read from this. The, the book is called uh, Masterless Men. And it's by Carrie Lee Merritt. Uh, it's a it's a uh, it's an academic book, so it's a little dense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I would, uh, there's some, just some things I want to read, read off this real quick to, I think that bring up what I've been trying to talk about, because I don't think that I've really nailed. Cause I, I you know, sitting here hearing you say that you were wrong like that, it raises a red flag in me. Cause I'm like, no, you, but you're right about like, <laughs> <all this Yeah. laughs> black stuff. I don't know. Just it. So I want to, it's, it's hard to talk about. And I think it's by design. It's hard to talk about. I think the division has been there so long. It's hard to talk about. So uh, let me just read this, what, what she says. So she said, slavery-driven capitalism uh, made the share, uh, slaveholders richer while simultaneously ravaging the poor. Okay, Pre-capitalist features, however, were not simply rooted in Southern culture. Instead, they were codified and ingrained in a remarkably systemic way. The master class had a long established, effective, and well-planned system of social control. They kept white, uh, they kept the white poor, uneducated, and illiterate on purpose, refusing to invest in a system of public education. Slaveholders used public money to fund law enforcement departments, creating an, an, an uh, 
creating an intricate and bureaucratic criminal justice system. This system allowed masters to incarcerate at will whites who failed to follow their social dictates. The owners of flesh understood that preserving slavery necessitated a society with near constant surveillance. Listen to this. I mean, this is, I mean, a harsh legal code and, a, and vigilante groups ready to mete out justice whenever the courts and jails failed. Does this, this was written about 1830s. That's what this is written about. I mean, it's so much that's going on today. Now, this brutal terroristic system of um, extra legal violence reinforced the entire hierarchy. Time after time, and I'm skipping around, so forgive me, but time after time, abolitionists laid, uh, laid out the numerous ways in which slavery was detrimental to the lives of Southern poor whites. Yet because the master class controlled access to education and literacy and strictly regulated the flow of information through rigorous censorship laws, anti-slavery men were generally not able to communicate with their intended audience. And although the overwhelming brunt of the slaveholder brutality and cruelty fell on the blacks uh, uh, on the backs of African Americans, slavery was also a deeply injurious institution for a significant number of Southern whites. These masterless men and women greatly threatened the existing the existing Southern hierarchy. Okay, and unfortunately, owing to their high rates of okay, so so she goes on to talk about like how she's going to. Uh, uh, where she's getting all her information about it. And she said, and I thought this was interesting that unfortunately, uh, owing to their high rates of illiteracy, poor whites left virtually no written records. So this is all word of mouth. She uses newspapers. She uses like court documents, all this crazy stuff. Um, let's see. Um, uh, so, and this is, this is what happened during that time is that why poor whites and black slaves created an underground market. They drank together. Uh, uh, when they, when the poor whites could, they worked, they worked in the same thing. Uh, they bought and sold from each other. They, they, uh, like had sex with each other. <laughs> like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like there was a real sort of society, um, in, in that, and that was really threatening to the, to the slave owners. So thus, lower class whites became more than just a nuisance to masters. Slaveholders were tangibly losing assets uh, because of all of that connectedness between those two groups. But more importantly, they were losing control over their slaves. So, so this idea that, you know, uh, and you see this, you see this, uh, you know, in, in these rural areas. And, and that's one of the things that um, the documentary showed so well was the or at least in some ways, it shows some sort of integrated spaces, right? Where people mm -hmm. are living side by side. Now there are social, like there are social things that keep them apart still. But I mean, I, I, I've seen it in like, um, you know, rural Louisiana, right? Where it's, a, I mean, almost completely integrated. Every There's no, the, the, the things that we, that we see in the city, they don't see. It's not the same mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know? So I just thought that was, I thought it was, I think it's that whole idea that why were people in power so scared of these two groups coming together? And I think it's because one, there's a massive common interest uh, of exploitation. And, and while African-Americans have historically bared the brunt of that, I would say, uh, see if this tracks with you. It's, it's like a dad with two kids. He beats and physically or physically and, and verbally abuses one kid and then verbally abuses another. He doesn't physically beat him, but verbally that get that dad, that, that parent is still needs to be held accountable to both those kids. 
It doesn't mean that the kid that got beat doesn't need immediate help because they do, because they're physically in danger. Uh, and it also doesn't, doesn't mean that what's what the, the younger kid or the kid that only got screamed at what they're dealing with. Right. Right. It's a common, it's not an enemy. It's just a, it's a common problem. I'm yeah. curious. What it's you're, just, what you're... I mean, it's hard to, to convince the kid with physical abuse that the other kid isn't getting preferred, uh, preferred oh, yeah. treatment. And, yeah. um, and they and are, I, I and think... they benefit because they're not getting beat. They, there is, and that has to be acknowledged as well. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the hardest part, especially, you know, being in the black community is, I mean, most people don't even mention we're being beat and, and, and now we are mentioning it. And mm-hmm. the idea of mentioning that the, the kid who's getting verbally abused needs to be focused on too. It's just so hard because it, it, it's essentially like there's no documentation on how long is uh, ample enough time to focus on black lives. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, and in theory, the time that is happening, those that were getting verbally abused are feeling resentment mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I hear that when I listen to um, my uh, more uh, be it conservative or wh- whatever background that they're from, who feel like their life is not a piece of cake. And the idea, the audacity of the black community to speak about their life being more difficult than, than the other, it, that alienates the kid that, mm. that is just verbally abused. And so it's it's so tricky. And that's why this dad who's beating, who's essentially abusing both kids, mm-hmm. gets off scot-free essentially. And yeah. well, because he's telling one kid one thing. The reason mm-hmm. I'm doing this is because of them and vice versa. The reason that you're getting this is because, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and the messages are different, um, but they cause that, you know, that we're opposed. Uh, they say that we're, we're the opposite. We're the exact opposite. And, and, and when I see myself in black culture, I'm like, but I'm not like, <laughs> and it, yeah. it looks like, sounds like when you see, you saw yourself in this hillbilly movie, like you're like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, we're not, you know, there's, Different. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that because it doesn't fit narratives. It doesn't fit, um, uh, people think it's detracts and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm concerned that. You know, uh, you know, people will, I don't know, misuse or, you know, try to try to do what they've, what they've all people in power have always done is try to always. continue to divide, you know, continue to divide. And, yeah. and, and there are real differences between people in power and how they, how they um, deal with the, with different people. Like uh, they were, you know, the opioid crisis that's going on in Appalachia, that was pushed by people, people in power. And, and the majority of those people are white and wealthy. And uh, whether it be drug companies or the government that, that allow those things to move forward. Uh, at, at one point, um, there's a book called Dreamland that's, I mean, fantastic about, about this whole crisis. Um, but uh, uh, once, once it got into their communities, there was a real it's it's changed from a criminal to a sort of a mental health issue which is what it's always needed to be and, and when in the 80s when crack came into uh cities and 
it, it wasn't handled that way. It was a criminal thing. So that's a very clear distinction between how it's handled. Like, so, mm -hmm. so this, this stuff is real. It's not, it's something that's not made up. It's that, it's that while we're getting different things and the level of severity may be different. I really think that, that we have a, a common fight, a common cause, and that's justice for anyone uh, that is uh, disenfranchised, thrown away, cast aside, called trash, lazy, stupid, violent, all those things, which are clearly um, not true, yeah. demonstrably not true. Um, and then, but then we, the, we, we say, well, that's an exceptional person. That's an exceptional, whatever, you know, that, cause they came See, out of that life. Yeah. That's the, so, so I, I battle with, with a couple of things. The, the way our country operates from, from its inception was divided and, mm -hmm. And and this goes to even the White House. If 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 you're not a historian, you might not know. There's a a musical called Hamilton. So Alexander Hamilton is way more uh, known now. Um, and there's a guy by the name of Thomas Jefferson who uh, is very well known. T Thomas Jefferson became president. Alexander Hamilton could not because he he wasn't a, a born American. But the the instant that we became a country. There was a divide in what country we were going to become. Thomas Jefferson wanted every man, man is just, that's just how the time was. Sorry, yeah, ladies. Yeah. But every man to be able to have their own farm and live off their own creation and not be holding to a government, not be holding to anyone and be able to just be a free man. And and that was rich, poor, all the same, right? And now if you're richer, you probably got more land, but Thomas Jefferson's idea was just have land. And Alexander Hamilton's idea was we we're going to become a capitalist system, much like Britain. And we all know who won um, because we know what country we live in. And that argument is basically the, the same kind of thing is the South became this agricultural place where the rich use slavery to to live their capitalist dreams out but thomas jefferson's idea of the man or woman the family that lived on their own and didn't have to suffer from the rich elite taking advantage of them like what happened in britain that thing died so quickly in the yeah. like it just he tried to do the best he could he bought the louisiana purchase so that we would have more land so his idea would come to fruition and capitalism just kicked its ass mm -hmm. and so it's 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 unfortunate and and i i i understand the 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 unite and and the equality and, and giving us all that equal footing it just doesn't seem possible because when the president wanted to do it it didn't happen and mm -hmm. and and I I think about America a lot because I I sometimes am indifferent, sometimes I'm proud, sometimes I'm a patriot, sometimes you know I'm upset. But one thing I do know is in this country, maybe not in one generation, but potentially in three generations, your family can go from the depths to a a way better improvement a a a a place that your your parents before you did not think was possible mm -hmm. and i 
I I see the best chance only because I I I I believe that the rich will always have control. They just have too much. But I I believe that every individual has the best chance of improving their child's life and that child improving that child's life. And one day you will look up and I don't think you will be in the group that you were in before. That's maybe the Mm. myth of the American dream. Um, But I'm I'm just, my grandfather just passed away and that's three generations ago where he grew up. he he did not the place that i am in is nowhere near where he started he never thought he was poor by the by the way which i look at his house they grew up in and it's a shack and i don't know how he, he couldn't but he didn't consider that poverty and his grandfather who was a slave who no longer was a slave and was freed and then worked to own his farm and then owned his farm like mm-hmm. his my grandfather's my grandfather's life probably could not be imagined by his grandfather. And yeah. I think I think the the internet and technology has just really said that success is tomorrow. And I'm starting to think success is 30, 60, 90, 100. It's it's this generational thing mm. and and it gives us so much more control over what we value as moving forward and progressing because when we look to try and overpower, I, it I feel powerless. When I try to fight the man, I feel yeah. so much weaker, and yeah. and I've noticed that. And and I had a Bible study this morning, and I just talked about how my I used to believe that my life goal was to destroy racism. Just yeah. I was going to figure out how to eradicate it, mm. and that made me fail <laughs> every turn. I, fe- mm. I felt like a failure at every turn, and. This podcast is actually maybe the first time where I actually feel like I have eradicated racism for myself. Like it's mm. it's no longer something that is that is holding me back. And I pray to give that to my kids. Wow. And and that to me is how I fight the system, because the other way I I kept getting my ass beat, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I man, I really hear that. That's, uh, that's powerful because, um, you know, man, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you defeat the dragon. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, I know that there's stories that like, tell us how to, or show us that it can be done. But I, I, I think it, it, I think it, it, sorry, my head. I, I think you're onto something with, (laughs) with the sort of individual success, the grassroots homegrown, like family, uh, it starts with me. And I think that's where we need to put a lot of our energy, uh, you know, it's like there's a lot of um, pushing for social change, which we absolutely need and is absolutely yeah. essential. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, 
pay attention to where I spend my money. I'm going to vote. I'm going to speak to my leaders, the leadership that's elected. I'm going to sign petition. You know, I'm going to be active in those things. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, do the work of destroying white supremacy in me, do the work of destroying racism in me and in my kids. And, and to, you know, uh, cause they're already like, they're on a whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm coming to the point where I, you know, my parent, I guess our parents are at where, you know, I will say a thing and they're like, you can't, that's not, don't do that. And this is why, <laughs> like all these things. I'm like, I had no idea. So, uh, which we, you know, I get generational and we all go through, but, uh, I think it's super important. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of our energy, uh, can be put. And, and I think that black and white people need different things in that arena. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the same time, we can feel like, I know I can feel like it's not any use or it's like it gets that, like you talked about that, that I just feel defeated at all times. Yeah. Um, but the more and more that I work on myself and, and nurture those relationships with my family, with the people that are in my circle, uh, if we get enough of those circles going, then there won't, you know, the, the dragon is going to move out because there's no place, you know, like it's just not. Yeah. It's not, uh, this is not your, this is not the home of the wealthy. This is the home of Americans. Mm -hmm. That's what it's for. And Americans are black, Hispanic, Latinx, uh, white, they're gay, they're straight, they're bi, they're, uh, you know, trans. I mean, just, they are, it is so, it's such a huge, uh, huge swath of all these different people. That's really what America, what America is. Um, and, and not, a place for the wealthy to, to enslave and oppress. Like that's yeah. what the war meant. That's not what this place is for. That's not, that's not what this is for. At least in my and that's, uh, estimation. Well, that the irony other than Alexander Hamilton and his, the financial plan that he built and you know, it, it makes money. Um, mm-hmm. But they, the founding fathers were not happy with the elite of England running things. Obviously yeah. The people making decisions, though, were the elite of America at the time. And yeah. um, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a colonist being told that Britain has oppressed you. And you're like, oh, they did? OK. OK. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and and <laughs> you're not even you're not you're just living your day to day life. Yeah. And then one day there's a war at your door and you yeah. have to fight for the side you're on. And you're like, yeah, OK. All right. And. Technically, the elite did that. They, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody was. It there sure wasn't a vote. <laughs> right. Do we want to go to war with Britain? Right. Um, and uh, and and so the the elite have always existed, and from nations to nations, countries to countries, and um, it, I think. Uh, so I, I struggle with this personally because. I, if you can't beat them, join them is what pops in my head. Yeah. Um, but in our country, we always believe that when we join them, we're going to do better. And that's what our job is to do. And and I, I don't see myself becoming affluent and then abusing people. That, that right. That's never the idea. Um, but I do see myself becoming affluent. And I, I've been struggling with this because I meet many people who either 
openly and comfortably don't want to be affluent. And they're like, no, money is not an yeah. object for me and right. it's not something I want. And it's like, okay, all right, that's, I hear you. But then I also want to say, I don't know if you are in the position to tell someone who does care only about money what to do. It, it's almost like if I'm black and you're not black and you tell me how to be black, I'm not going to connect with that yeah. because you don't share the experience that is necessary for me. And I, I'm not the person that is so fixated on money, but there are people that they're, they live to generate as much wealth as possible. And yeah. I can't, I couldn't even tell you what that experience is like, but I bet they care just as much about what they do with their life as we care about the things that we're, we're striving for. And um, all I can say is if we take care of our business with our ne- our generations and our generations, generations, they will, I pray be in a better place. And obviously, yeah, buying houses is not nearly the same as it was right there are legitimate things in the way of having the same same identical quality but right generations have different qualities of life and i that i I hate sounding not on the bandwagon of of the revolution because i am Mm -hmm. but at the same time i i think the revolution starts in yourself and at the house and I I hate how much I sound like the individualist, uh, yeah. you know, Bible Belt Southerner <laughs> who's just like take care of your own home, don't worry about mine. And but I've, I'm learning there's some truth in it. And as much as I hate to say that, it's like, man, they knew about something I didn't, and and I'm listening, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Richie, I don't know if you if you are experiencing this or if our listeners are, but you have a uh, Barry is it Barry White sound effect going right now. I do. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna have to try to fix that. I think. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, I was talking to somebody on a Zoom call earlier today, and they said the same thing, and I don't know what I've done. So I will <laughs> definitely try to. It's fix It's very. That. Very um, uh, comf- comforting, you know. I, I just feel like we're in the slow jam, listening to some R and B, and talking about race. It's, okay, you know, <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, sounds good. All right, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you were talking about. Um, sorry, I uh, lost my train of thought. On what were, can you kind of? You were talking about just sort of seeing that there is some value in in an individualist mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a couple things pop up. Um, when you fight monsters, be careful that you don't become one. And mm-hmm. Mitch Horowitz, who's another writer that I admire quite a bit said, you're going to be able to do more with four poor people if you have money. Mm-hmm. So those two things I think need to live together, right? Like, and it, much like, much like collectivism and individualism, they, they need to integrate with each other because they can learn from one another that there are people that got into this game. They're like, I'm going to get in this game and I'm going to make some money and I'm going to go back to the places that I know are wrong. And I mean, you hear this, um, you hear this in the hip hop community a little bit. Like people are like, no, you're not, you're not coming back. Yeah. You know, so-and-so bought this in Atlanta and then they're from New York or so-and-so, you know, like all this stuff. And that's not, that's not exclusive to any, any, you know, race or religion or creed or sexual, either that, that's a power, that's a wealth and power issue. And, mm-hmm. and we, uh, you know, I, I've often 
vacillated between well money's worthless and and useless because it does it's done all this damage i feel like it's you know paul said it's the love of money is the root of all evil mm-hmm. right? i've been taught been taught that my whole life at the same time like yeah but if i had money i know what i would do with it so and i know what i do with my money that i have now like it's it's you know what i mean so yeah how do we do both how do we how do we combine those two integrate those two you know and that 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 question is one that I I think so the traditional ways of making money prior to the the technology boom mm-hmm. right it it was this slow conquer take methodical mm-hmm. approach because that's all we had but tech money's just coming out of nowhere with no actual um, material like <laughs> yeah. it it doesn't yeah. require the take and trade and barter and grow it mm-hmm. just it's just creating. And I think these tech companies are a different type of, of evil, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, if money is the root of all evil, this evil is slightly different because the way they acquired it, which was so quick and so fast. And a lot of these tech companies, even though they might create technology that isn't always in the best hands or use the best, a lot of these companies give back. I mean, uh, Bill Gates, so much money he gives yeah. back and apple apple does so much as my wife is like yo i know you're not gonna rep <laughs> microsoft and not say anything right. um but and, and and one thing we talked about um because she's doing phenomenal at her job is how much apple just cares about people and mm. is giving back and and I, I i think it's important for us to also shed light on those rich assholes who are doing the right thing like, yeah and there's you know, a lot of them and that's we have to we do have to acknowledge that the, i mean you know money isn't the root of evil the love of it is and that like the service yeah. service to money will get you nowhere we've, we've seen that over and yeah. over again you're not going to die happier uh <laughs> you know i mean and and i think that you're i think you're right we we need to celebrate we need to acknowledge that there are some parts of the company, uh, these companies that are acting like standard oil and buying up everything and buying up competitors. And at the same time, there's a part of them that's giving millions, if not billions of dollars away to whether it be education or, you know, other start, like whatever it is, you know, um, and that is a really good, it's a, it's very American, right? It's very American. And what we do, what we've been doing with, currently with our political discussions with our social discussions or whatever is it, we're saying it's binaries it's it's one or the other either they're good the company's good or the company's bad the country's good or the country's bad when there's good and bad and we have to accept and deal with those things as they are and and it it may change our perspective it may change how we see things it doesn't mean that we don't uh, love people or care about people or whatever else, or, you know, because, you know, the, we're not fitting into these specific boxes or categories or whatever else. It just, it just means that we're seeing a lot. It's, it's more complex than, than maybe we've been taught. Right. It's more yeah. complex than that, you know? Um, yeah, man. And, yeah. and I, I'm, I, I love the, the connection of, you know, whether it be poor whites and blacks and, and marginalized groups. Um, but I, I do also feel as I'm learning this is if I, I think we can use the label 
to find the groups Mm -hmm. and to find the people we need to unite. Mm -hmm. But then at that point, remove the labels. Yeah. So that we can just be humans that are all marginalized. And and it's like, yo, we all are struggling. You know, we all are seeing how the media is representing us and it doesn't Mm -hmm. fit us, you know, and we want to change those things. So let's, let's climb together um, using, I, the system we have, I, I think it it allows m- decent climbing. It's not the best, right? It's right. not perfect, but there are there are some countries with no climbing, right? right. <laughs> and uh, there's there's countries with all sliding. Everyone's sliding down, mm-hmm. and um, and I I I, I loved watching hillbillies because I saw people who were struggling, but the they were the parents of the person making the film in LA mm-hmm. <laughs> doing all the great things that said could not be done. And it, it just kind of reinforced the generational piece of it yeah. is they got to where they were so that their child could do this. And and she seems like she's having a hell of a career. Yeah. And uh, it just, it just reminded me that it, it's not the permanence is the permanence is there's always the rich and there's always the poor. Yeah. But the part that's not permanent is who's where in that position at what time. Mm. And and I I I don't think my grandpa ended his life poor. And I would say he had started it that way, but at his time he said he wasn't in that position. It's just yeah. the 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 labels don't it, it's so it's so complex. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's hard because like our episode with Eris who said his, he's from Honduras mm-hmm. uh, and, or is it Ecuador? Yeah. I thought it was Honduras. And maybe Ecuador. It was Honduras. Okay. <laughs> Honduras, yeah. Honduras. And now I'm like, wait, wait. Uh, uh, apologize. <laughs> but, but just that, that, that baseline of poverty for him was so different for the yeah. baseline of poverty for me. Yeah. And, and so when we do say that we're all these marginalized groups, it's like, but we're still so different in, where we are in that, that it's also hard to unite unless we just strip away those things. And we just, we just say, you know what, like these, these labels are bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I see you as a person, you see me as a person, let's go change what we want and, and and make our country a better place. And that's what I loved about what Eris, that's all he was here for. And you know, regardless of if people say he doesn't have papers or he came on a a, a caravan, like, yeah, he doesn't care about that stuff. That's not stopping him from trying to make the best life he can. Yeah. And um, he, he still voted for Trump, but whatever, you know. know it's yeah. just- his, his Facebook page <laughs> lights me up. That's fine. I, you know, I'll just say hi. And, but uh, yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, Chris, Chris, I think you're onto something. And I think it's that's something that we try to jump into, you know, starting in the 80s, 90s is, is – is this sort of post-racial post grouping, you know? And I think we, Mm -hmm. what the, the, the sort of fatal flaw, and this is white people decided it was over and didn't talk to black people about it. And we did it. Yeah, we did it. See, we're good whites now. Uh, And, and, uh, what what we need is we we need this this kind of integration this kind of thing where we're I talking love. to each other in each other's lives in each other's lives that's the key you know and it it is weird it is weird to go as a white person well where are the black people at hi you know you want to be friends I, I don't know <laughs> you know like it's not, 
it is awkward and it is weird and it is strange but i i think that we we need we need others that are um that we see as different than us if you think somebody's different than you if you think a gay person is different than you you need to start talking to gay people if you you know i mean if you think a christian is different than you talk to a christian you know yeah and and sure there are i mean it's it's a politically charged time and, and things have gotten really really divisive but that's always been around and people have always pushed through that and communicated and found ways to break through you know like the civil war is over it ended because <laughs> you know what i mean like because we came together and and fought for uh, a country that we wanted that we really wanted a united country that stopped um, stopped this deplorable practice uh, just be just for wealth. It's not worth it. The wealth is not worth, you know, this dehumanizing behavior. So I, I think that's, that's, uh, I love, I mean, I've seen lots of civil rights leaders like, um, uh, one that comes to mind is, um, golly, my brain just, it is, uh, he like calls everybody brother and sister. Um, I've read his biography and my brain will not give me, we're going to be talking about mental illness in a upcoming episode. And I, this is great. This go. is a great segue into it. Uh, Cornell West, Cornell West. Ah, yes. You know, he's talked to you about, I've never seen protests this integrated. I've never seen this many people that look differently. They come from different backgrounds uh, coming together. And I think that's what's needed. And, it, and, and before maybe it, it wasn't as integrated, it was only, you know, maybe one side or the other. I, I don't know if that's hundred percent true, but, but I think it, it, it's more integrated than it's ever been. And I, and I think that needs to continue. Yeah. So. And I love yeah. what you said, Richie, just, if you think that's a good precursor because it happens, it, you'll notice it. If you think you're different, then talk to that's, that's exactly the group or person that you need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that the differences are so detail specific that they really don't matter to the human mm-hmm. consciousness. Like, yeah. like the, the real similarities are what are ingrained in all of us. And, and I think you'll see that fairly quickly. Um, and uh, I, I love, that's why I love this podcast. And I, hopefully if you aren't able to get out and make these connections or you're nervous to be that white person that just says, yo, I don't have black people in my life and I've been fucking up. Like <laughs> let's connect. Yeah. Right. Like that, that, that's all it takes really just be authentic, you know, yeah. take some ownership, drop the F bomb. We'll be like, Oh, this person <laughs> might be sincere. Well, <laughs> I thought they were faking it, but that mm-hmm. sounds authentic. Like mm-hmm. it, but if you can't, if you can't to go out and do that, keep listening to us because yeah. we're going to keep bringing in different people and different yeah. voices and, and hearing their, their story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Chris, thanks, man. This was a really great conversation and one that I think is just starting. So uh, more to come on this stuff, but cause I, cause I don't think it's a new thing. I mean, I don't know how to talk about this. Like, I don't know how to talk about yeah. it. I just like sort of, you know, what do you know? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't know. I feel yeah, really, really I, kind of lost, you know? No, I, I, and I hit you with, with, with a, a, just a new thing. Cause you know, we've been doing this together for a while and, mm-hmm. and I know the, the unity of the, the, the disenfranchised groups is very important to you and yeah. it's important to many people. And, and I agree. I, but I also don't want the, um, I don't want the same old tactic that hasn't necessarily been productive 
to be our tactic. Mm-hmm. I, I think I 100% agree, but that's just those, you're not the first to say that, meaning that a lot of us feel that passionately. Mm-hmm. But how do we get it done if, if the, the rich have their, they got uh, this hold on us and, and, and I hate taking L's. I don't, I don't want us to keep fighting them the same way. And yeah. I'm just curious if, you know, we all think about this in different ways. How, how can we do it other than telling a, 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 a you know, gangster black dude and a, a redneck hillbilly like, yo, y'all are on the same tide, stop fighting each other. They, they can't hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but they might be able to hear, you know, hey, take care of your family, get them in a better place. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and your family can, help take i don't know i don't know why yeah, we want, that's no, that's okay i mean that's <laughs> i think it's honest and that's real man that's real because we don't know where to go with it because this is to me this is resistance to me this is what it is is i am actively working against a system that keeps me separated and controlled by by these these uh stories that we've been told and it's that are not only told, but like are integrated, like into our this, this society. You know, uh, the way I was taught history, the way that that your your experience with police and my experience with police uh, on a day to day basis is different. Uh, the way that you know your ability to buy a house and my ability to buy a house it's different, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and not from anything that you and I have done, but it's 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 in there, it, and we have to have to have to deal with that, and that's. Um, we can do that while talking to each other. I think it's the only way that we can do it. I think it's the only way. Exactly. So, well, cool, man. Love seeing you. Love you, Chris. This has been a great episode. I mean, man, man, (laughs) it's solved anything, but boy, (laughs) (laughs) right. No, but we, we've had a good time just connecting, talking and solving it internally with ourselves because we're all wrestling with these things. And Mm -hmm. I think, the the beauty is, you know, we all are trying to go in the right direction, you know, which way and how that's mm-hmm. that's up to the individual. But but collectively, we are trying to move this country forward. And yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, hit us up on, you know, social media and Twitter uh, and Facebook. We still have our Allies Learning Together group. Uh, you know, if you feel like supporting this podcast and this kind of dialogue, uh, join us on Patreon. We get, it's a, it's a $5 a month tier. I know that's a lot of money for some people or just, you know, I know those things add up. Uh, but we, uh, give you access to our sort of our more candid conversations that Chris and I have early access to episodes. Uh, you know, when we get folks, uh, ask me anything, AMAs are going to be on there and, and even might try to get you on the show. I mean, that's, that's another thing too, that we've been talking about, like, or thinking I've been thinking about and is, you know, uh, have our listeners join us on here and kind of go over some of those things. So, uh, we're, we have some exciting guests coming up and I'm really excited. Some listeners and some folks that are, uh, just out and about, doing their thing and and chris i'm excited man. i'm very excited for our upcoming shows it's been great thank yeah. y'all for rocking with us mm-hmm. um again stay tuned keep talking to others and be the best and perfect ally you can be all right peace